Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey guys, did you know that your skin can absorb up to 60% of what you put on it? So what goes on your skin can be as as important as what goes in your body. Juice Beauty is a skincare and makeup line that is made with certified organic ingredients with the promise to always formulate without potentially harmful ingredients. And you guys, ladies, we need to think about what we're putting on our body because it matters. If you want to try this out, go to juicebeauty.com slash happy hour for exclusive savings on your first order when you use the code happy hour 20 at checkout. Guys, you are listening to episode number 189, and my friend Tova Sido has joined me today to share her story with you. Tova and I met at Camp Well a few years ago, and I was instantly, I'm not lying when I tell you this, instantly a fan of hers. She has this way to make you feel as though you're the only one in the world that matters when you're talking to her. Have you guys ever had a friend like that? It's just the best. She's full of joy. And let me tell you that it is from the Lord because this girl has been through hell and back. Her story involves a whole lot of loss, and her honesty about her journey is raw here in this conversation, and her source of joy should be encouraging for all of us, no matter what season of life we're in. If you happen to be in a place in your life where you are feeling as though, I just don't know if I can make it another day, then my friend, my prayer is that this conversation today is going to be somewhat of an encouragement to you. You're going to hear Tova share with us about her hardest years. But she also says this to you right now, if you're feeling like you cannot make it another day. And what I would say to that person and what I've said to a million people since then who've sat on my couch or asked, how am I going to make it? You will. And you will with the Lord. You will with the Lord. And I can't say that enough. Tova's story is amazing. It's inspirational. And it's one that makes us look deep into our own hearts to see what we're trusting in. Also, you guys, Tova and I talk about Camp Well at the beginning of this episode, and you're going to know that we're both big fans of Camp Well. And actually, the spring edition of Camp Well is going on right now. So head on over to at Camp Well Summit on Instagram to find out all the good stuff of what we're talking about. Also, listen, one of the creators of Camp Well, her name is Jen Jet. You love her. You adore her. She's been on the show before. I texted her and told her that Tova and I were just raving about Camp Well. And guess what? I'm announcing right now when the next one is. Are you ready? Here it is. The next Camp Well is October 22nd through 25th. It's going to be in Colorado again. Registration will open at the end of April. So here's what you need to do. Go sign up at campwellsummit.com to be in the know. And then you guys hold on to this code. Use the code happy hour for $150 off. You guys, I was at Sparrow Conference this last weekend, and it was lovely and adorable and one of my favorite conferences ever. If you get a chance to go next year, you should definitely go. And I had so many people tell me how much they have loved my book, If You Only Knew. And let me tell you, those conversations, they are humbling to me. I feel honored. I feel overjoyed that you took the time to read the book. And I feel really just gracious that God allows me to be a part of ministry in your life when you read the book. One thing that you can do if you really love the book, and this is kind of a selfish ask of me, is that you could go leave a review on Amazon. Those reviews actually do a lot for an author. So just go to Amazon. We'll take a five-star review. We'd love that. Leave some kind words about if you only knew. Guys, 
Two things, and then we're going to get to the show. Number one, this weekend, I'll be in Colorado Springs with the Abundance Lifeway Conference. If you guys are anywhere close, come out and see us. Okay, also, I will be at all of the Abundance Conferences this year that Lifeway's putting on. I get the great joy of being the MC for each event and doing some interviews and meeting you guys there. We'll put a link in the show notes if you want to find out where some more of these conferences are going to be. Last thing, you guys, and then the show. Last thing. Are you ready? Are you ready? This Friday is the very last day to buy your ticket to Happy Hour Live. They close on Friday. It's done. No more tickets will be sold. This event happens May 4th and 5th out at Green Acres. You know my love for Green Acres. If you want to buy yourself a ticket, get one for your friend. Go to jamieivy.com slash events. jamieivy.com slash events. It's going to be May 4th and 5th. My guests are Latoria Wilson, Sophie Hudson, Lisa Whittle, Kat Harris. And let me just say this. You just might want to check out my Instagram tomorrow because I just might be giving away a ticket. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right, you guys, here is my conversation with Tova. Hey, Tova, welcome to the happy hour. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. This is really fun. And we were joking before we started recording is that today is Good Friday Mm -hmm. when we're recording. And when I made my work week, I didn't know that today was Good Friday. (laughs) And when I said yes, I didn't know that today was Good Friday. So you're so kind Mm -hmm. to show up to my house on Good Friday. I'm happy. Um, You know, I was thinking though, Good Friday. I've had, I had a moment yesterday and I think that you have had moments like this. So let's just, let's jump in. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. This is you. Okay. So Mm -hmm. I had a moment yesterday where I was really just thinking about something super discouraged, like super hard. It's like a parenting thing for me. It's like one of the issues with one of my kids that's just like, the only thing, way it's going to get better is Jesus. Like that's, you know what I mean? It's like, this kid needs Jesus. We need Jesus to solve all of our problems. And I started thinking, golly, tomorrow's Good Friday. And I could get emotional to think about like what happened on Good Friday and what Jesus did. And then Sunday shows up and it's like, okay, okay, we can do this life. We can do this. It's Which just, I think is an amazing parallel to our lives. I mean, it, yes. is, it is the flow of life. Hard, but we're going to make it. Yeah. You're always, there's always, you're always going to get to the other side. You will. Maybe not it. here, right? Yeah. Maybe. Someday. I mean, you know what yeah. I mean? Like in yeah. reality. Yeah. yeah, it's true. It's true. Okay. So you've walked through a lot of hardships and we met at Camp Well. We met at Camp Well. Which Jen Jett has been on the show. So yeah. if you've listened, you have heard Jen talk about Camp Well. There's been some other guests on here that have been to Camp Well. And so mm-hmm. first of all, let's give 20 seconds of how much we love Camp oh, Well. Camp Well is, it's the best. It's the best. And I, some of my best friends today are from Camp Well. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's crazy. I went it's to crazy. Camp Well alone which is a scary thing for it me is sometimes. a scary thing. You know, isn't that weird? Isn't it weird that people probably think that you, you don't get afraid oh or, my or gosh. I don't get afraid and I get afraid. I get, socially, I can be afraid. This is me too. Mm-hmm. And I, you know what? I think that we are used to being comfortable. I think that we are probably used to being comfortable in most of our spaces, but that's a scary space. For me. It's so scary. Yeah. And I get real shy and quiet and insecure and all the stupid stuff. Me too. It could be, it could be hard. Okay. So Camp Well, I went alone and it was just one of the best experiences I've ever had. I have friends that I think of, and yeah, I bet you do this too, that I'm like, they need to go to Camp Well. Yeah. Yeah. They need I, to go to Camp they, Well. I think every girl needs to go to Camp Well. And you know what? One of the questions 
that um, was on your form before I came was like, what, what's your big soapbox mm-hmm. right now? And my soapbox has been the same since I first went to camp and it was girls need to be girls' biggest cheerleaders. Like that's where I learned that. Like mm-hmm. we should be cheering each other on. Like girls are so mean to other girls. Why? I, I don't, it threats. I think we're all, I think everybody feels threatened. Yeah. You know? So your daughter is 14. Mm-hmm. My daughter is 10. And I see it. It starts young. And it is just, oh, it's yeah. probably symptom insecurity, yeah. you know, trying to figure out who you are and what you're doing and yeah. um, where you, where you fit in and, yeah. and where, where on the hierarchy. Uh-huh. It's, it's a silly, it does a silly feel thing that do. way at Camp Well with a bunch of cheerleading. Yeah. It's a it, bunch of cheerleading. Yeah. yeah. And you, that's where you learn how girls should treat girls. Yeah. I'm passionate too about cheering on girls in your same area of expertise, let's just say. Yeah. You know, like I remember, you know, I've been doing this podcast thing for almost four years. And when other people would start a show, someone one time said to me like, oh, are you, are you mad about that? I'm like, what do you mean am I mad about that? Of course not. Good for her. Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And the truth of the matter is if you just want to get down to the nitty grit of it, the more people that start podcasts, the more people listen to podcasts, the more people are going to find my, you know, it's just, we're all in this together. Yes. Yes. And we should not, we should not be looking at it as competition or a threat or, you know, we should be cheering each other Sometimes those are things we have to deal with in our heart of just like, why am I threatened by this? Yeah. Nobody should be a threat, especially other women. I agree. Okay. So today's Good Friday. I keep Mm -hmm. thinking about that. And I want to have you on the happy hour because I love you and I know you and I met you and you're a phenomenal woman. Mm -hmm. But then over the fall, whenever Aaron and I went to Marfa, have you ever been? No. Marfa, Texas? No, I've never been. We talk about it a lot. We went to Marfa. Um, I read two books and one of them was your book. Okay. You wrote a book called Borrowed Courage. And when did this come out? Because I knew you before this came out. Yes, it came out um, over Christmas, like December. Okay. So I dove into the book and learned a lot about you that I didn't know. Um, And what I learned is that you have not had the easiest life. You have had what I would say a very, very difficult life. And one of your passions that you were so passionate about is helping people find joy in the midst of the worst seasons. Yep. Did you learn that the hard way? Yeah, I learned it the hard way. I, before, before I ever went through anything, I was joyful. I mean, I grew up even in not the most amazing house, and, but I was joyful. I was happy. I always looked at the bright side, always. And so going through hard things um, was new, like, and finding, trying to still be happy because I'd always been happy that was hard. It was hard. It was really hard. If somebody told me before my hard seasons that you could get to the other side, just like we Mm -hmm. started, um, just like we talked about from the very beginning, that there would be, that the Sunday would come, that the Sunday would come. I don't know that I would have believed them. In the midst of it or before you went through it? Before. Like if somebody said, here's what what you're about to go through and you're going to make it. Yeah. And you're going to make it. And because I wouldn't have believed it. I mean, and people, people read my book, people hear my story. People, even I remember as I was going through it, people would like look at the way that they looked at me. I, it was like, they couldn't believe that I was Mm going to get to the other side. Yeah. Well, and I think 
you know, in a minute, we're going to talk about some of your hard things. And I think when people hear it, they're going to think, I could never survive that. Right. But I think people, that's our, ev- everybody said that. To yeah. Me. Everybody Actually, said no one's going to go like, oh, bring it on. Yeah. I hope I get <laughs> Tova's life because I'm going to make it. Yeah. I'm going to prove yeah, to the world I can do that it. you can get to the other side of it. But I think that's so evident too of we have no idea what tomorrow holds. No. You know, you would have never known what was going to be in your path. No. No one ever knows. No one ever wishes for that. And I think that that's one of the beautifulness, beautifulness, that's a new word, right? I think that's one of the <laughs> <I> beauties <laughs> of God is that we don't understand how to deal with it until we're in it. And yeah. then he gives us what we need. Yeah. And you can't believe that he's going to do that. And when he does, if you let him, I think you have to let him, and that may, might sound weird, but a lot of people in the midst of pain or heartache or, or um, disappointment, you know, they reject, they turn away from Jesus because they feel like Jesus let this them happen. down. Yes. Yeah. How did he let this happen? Uh-huh. Why did he do this? You know, and I think, I think the question why is a waste. I think the question should be when, not why. What um, do you mean when? When something happens. Mm, yeah. You know, not why did this happen, when something happens, instead of blaming God or rejecting God or cursing God or getting on your knees and asking why or how, how could you do mm-hmm. this? Because at some point, everybody is yep. going to go through something. Yep. Everybody. It, the Bible tells, Jesus says, yep. you know, everybody when will, the storms come. Yep. When, when it comes, mm-hmm. um, what will you allow him to do with you? Mm. Before we get to your heart, answer this for me though. In the middle of it, because everyone's going to listen to your story in just a minute, and everyone's going to go, "I, I wouldn't survive. I couldn't do it." When you were in it, not on the, not on the other side now, not on a Sunday, which you're still not on the other side. You still have a lot of pain from that. I'm assuming, I'm sure, and not before, but in the middle of it, did you feel like, "God, you've got me. I'm going to make it." Mm. Gosh. That I've I've never been asked that question. Um, some some days yes, and some days no. I mean, I write in my book that there were days that were so painful and so lonely and so sad that I contemplated suicide. I really did, and I was too scared to do it. I was too scared, and I'm sure a lot of people mm-hmm, who listen to totally. your show have been there. Mm-hmm. You know, like I this is not fun for me anymore. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it would be better to die than to continue to live and feel this way. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't, I knew I couldn't do that. I, I, I knew that what de- I had tasted death and I knew what it felt like for the people who were left behind. And I knew I couldn't do that yeah. to the people that I would leave behind. Mm-hmm. My faith, when I started, when I started through the hard, my faith was not what it is today. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that I had ever had the thought, God, I know you've got me. That's not what motivated me. I wish it was, mm-hmm. but that's not why I kept on. Um, I had to learn that. I had to find that. Yeah. And I think that's encouraging though, because if mm-hmm. someone's listening and they're, they're in the midst of it, mm-hmm. like they literally feel, I don't know that I can get out of bed today. Mm-hmm. Life is so hard. This is not what I asked for. This is not what I thought what my life was going to be yeah. like. To hear you say, no, there were some days I had no idea if this was ever going to be okay. Yeah. That's got to be encouraging to them because they're in that moment. Yeah. You know, they're and, sitting there. Yeah. And and what I would say to that person, 
and what I've said to a million people since then who've, who've sat on my couch and, or asked, you know, the hard questions, how, how do, how do you get through? How am I going to make it? You will, and you will with the Lord, mm-hmm. you will with the Lord. And I can't, I can't say that enough. Mm. Um, because just like you were talking about your daughter, you know, your daughter or, or my daughter or my son or any of us who are struggling with whatever it is we're struggling with, we can't do it alone. We can't. Tova alone is, is a silly, insecure, um, fearful little girl. Mm. But Tova with Jesus is, I mean. A piece to be reckoned with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, get out of my way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it puts, puts tears in my eyes. Uh-huh. What I can be and what I am with with the Lord. Yeah. And you know, it's like just kind of I'm on this thing lately of I want to I want to read what God says and I want to believe it. Like, mm-hmm. I know that sounds very elementary, but yeah, God says I don't that think we that's actually elementary. have this power mm-hmm. within us. Mm-hmm. The same power, the same that, power raised that rose raised, from the dead yes, lives in Jamie Ivy and Tovacito mm-hmm. and every single person who's listening to us. That power. And that power is what raises us from our dead. Mm. It is. Well, we could just end this show right now, folks, because we are, <laughs> I am feeling good. <laughs> hey guys, I'm going to break in real quick to thank our sponsors who make today's show possible. I know you're loving my conversation with Tova and we're going to get right back to it in a minute, but these I want you to hear as well. I want to thank Mr. Clean Magic Eraser for sponsoring the happy hour today. You know, is your home overdue for its spring cleaning? This year, my friends, you need to use Mr. Clean Magic Eraser to tackle the impossible stains that your sprays and your wipes just cannot handle. I've tried it in my home and it blew me away. The places we've used it is my refrigerator. Does anyone else open your fridge on some days and wonder to yourself, what happened in here? Did everyone spill everything and no one cleaned up everything and then it's sticky and stuck? Then you use the Mr. Clean Magic Eraser and it looks fabulous. We've used it in our bathrooms, on the bathtubs. We used it on our sink, on the stove. If you have a microwave, it works fabulous for that. All you have to do is wet it under the tap, give it a squeeze, and it's ready to erase. And because, you guys, it cleans with water alone, you don't have to worry about harsh cleaning fumes or scents. You can throw this to your kids and have them go clean. I'm serious. That's what we need to do. If you're about to take on your spring cleaning, you should definitely try Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. It makes cleaning your toughest kitchen and bathroom messes fast and easy. Check out mrclean.com slash the happy hour to see more ways the Magic Eraser can help you knock out impossible messes all around the house. Okay, guys, I also want to thank ZipRecruiter for sponsoring the happy hour today. Are you guys hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. You know what I mean? Something better than posting your job online and just crossing your fingers and praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew that there was a smarter way. So they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, you guys, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there, you guys, and ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, you guys, for free. 
Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash HH. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash HH. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Okay, Tova, let's go back. Let's go back and take me back to the beginning. Let's set the stage real quick is that, let me just tell everyone that you have three children in your home right now. I have three children in my home right now. Uh And you have three children in heaven. Yes. So six children. Yes. Three from your body, three born in the land of Ghana. Yes. Yes. Which we're going to talk about that. But first I want to go back to when your trials first started. I mean, I wept in reading your book. I just, I wept with you. I wept for you. Take us back to your first baby. Okay. And tell me the story and let's get all the way through your life to Ghana. Okay. So when I was young, I, I had one dream. Uh, you know, when people ask you, what do you want to be when you grew up, grow up? Tova, what do you want to be? I had one answer and it was, I want to be a mom. I wanted to be a mom more than anything. To just hold babies and love babies and I didn't, I didn't have the most amazing childhood. And so when I was young, I, I would think to myself, when I'm a mom, like I'll do this, I'm going to do, mm-hmm. I'm going to make cookies. I'm going to be home. I'm going to dance in my kitchen. And, um, like I'm, I'm going to have a joyful home yeah. full, full. Mm-hmm. I mean, when people ask me how many children I wanted, I would say 18. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even know where that number You came just from. wanted a lot of babies a lot with of babies. a lot of joy and yeah. a lot of dancing yeah. and cookies and fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I got married in 1999 and, and six months later I was pregnant and I was ecstatic. I mean, th- when I saw the positive pregnancy test, I'd, I'd, I'd flip. This is your life. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is what I've been waiting for. And, um, and so you know, I was pregnant and everything seemed to be going good until at six months, I went in for an appointment and um, I was measuring, I was measuring low or mm-hmm. small. Mm-hmm. And so they said, you know, we want to do, we want to do some tests and Long story short, my baby wasn't growing um, and my baby wasn't growing because she had a really, um, her heart, her heart wasn't developing normal. And so they said, they told, they told me and they told my husband, you know, the chances of this baby making it are really small. If, if she makes it through birth, um, she's going to go right into surgery and this is going to be a long road. Mm -hmm. And they just prepared us for the worst. And it was, it was shocking and it was terrifying, but I was like, I'm not telling anybody because everyone's so happy for me Mm. and I'm pregnant and I have a baby inside of me and I don't, I didn't want people to be sad. So you didn't tell anybody? We did not tell anybody what. Was that, are you glad that you didn't tell me? Okay. Because it was joyful. Okay. It was joyful. People were excited I was pregnant. Did you need that? Because you were scared. Yes. And I didn't want to take everybody else's fears Uh about what was going to happen on. Um, And as far as I was concerned, I was pregnant. This baby was alive and I wasn't giving up. Yeah. And, uh, but at eight, at eight months, um, I I went into labor and, um, and she was a stillborn Mm. and, you know, she just, she didn't make it. Her heart wasn't strong enough. And I was the, 
I have, I do have friends who've lost children for one reason or another or had stillborns, but I was the first one mm. of, I was 28, 29 years old and nobody had ever gone through anything like this at all. You know, we were all getting pregnant. Yeah. Everybody was having a healthy baby. And, um, and so this felt really new and scary and it was overwhelming for, for me and all of my friends. So you, your friends are not aware of the, di- the diagnosis the doctors have given. You go in early, you go through labor, you deliver your baby girl and she is stillborn and you leave the hospital with no baby. You leave the hospital without a baby. And it is, I mean, up until then, that was this, mm-hmm. I mean, I, that was the saddest I'd ever been. Mm-hmm. It was the saddest. I, I remember going home and my mom coming over and just weeping, just weeping with her and her crying. I mean, she'd never been through anything like this. And it was, and it was a, it was a heartache, but I was determined. I mean, I was, I, I had this resolve that, you know, this was just a bump in the road. And I know that's, I mean, it was much more than that. It it wasn't, that did not take me down. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, okay. Let's, you know, Mm -hmm. that, uh, that was a really horrible thing, but I, it didn't scare me to out of pregnancy yeah. or to have children. So I got pregnant again, right away. Okay. And, um, and I had, I had never had problems getting yeah. pregnant. Uh-huh. Um, so I was pregnant and I was so excited and sonograms, everything all along the way looked healthy, strong, you know, I'm having this baby. And in January of 2003, I, I gave birth to, I'm telling you, the most beautiful little boy. I mean, I know I, I watch you and your sons. I mm-hmm. see how you see them and look at them. And it's, that's just a mother's eye. I mean, you look at your children and there's nothing, yeah. there's nobody more yeah. handsome or beautiful. Yeah. And to me, Charlie was just the most beautiful little boy and, and I, holding him, giving birth to him and holding him for the first time. I mean, it was a joy. That was the happiest day of my life. Mm. It really was. And also you're fulfilling your life goal on your mom, but also you had just walked through super hardship yes. of losing your first child. Yes. So Charlie comes home. So Charlie comes home and Charlie and I were just buddies. I mean, he was, you know, you, when you have a baby, you do everything with mm-hmm. your baby. And I mean, he, he never, ever, ever left my chest ever. He slept. I, I know you shouldn't do that, but he slept on my chest. He never took a nap, and he never slept one time in his crib. Mm. Not one night. Not one nap. I mean, he he was always in my arms. I had this keen sense, this keen awareness of how incredibly lucky I was to have him, and I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna put him down. Mm. I mean, it, I was life and death to get to leave him with my mom or my sister. And they were always like, go, You're, like, he's fine. He's fine. And I mean, I remember trying to go to have dinner, trying to go out on a date with my husband and I would be like, let's get home. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, I knew how special and precious these moments were. Do you think, do you think that this was normal Tova being a mom? Or do you think this was God saying every single minute is going to matter? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but whatever drove that, I'm so grateful um, because 
I, I didn't, I had no idea what was coming. Yeah. So at four months, um, Charlie, Charlie was, was born healthy. His APGAR score was a nine. I mean, he, he was, all of our updates and checkups were perfect until at four months. Um, he, he just is having a hard time gaining weight. And, and, you know, we tried supplements and I, I was breastfeeding and they were like, maybe you're not producing enough milk. And so, and he just was having a hard time gaining weight. And so we went in for blood work and, um, we went out on a Friday and the doctor said, we'll call you on Monday. Well, we got a call on Saturday. And Which is like, really, you know, yeah, yeah. something mm-hmm. wasn't good. Our pediatrician called us on Saturday and said, we, we got the blood work and your son's liver is failing. And we were like, what? Yeah. I mean, his blood, his, his liver numbers were elevated in such a way it was hard to, I mean, and we had no, Charlie was not sickly. Right. He, he never threw up. He wasn't yellow. Like all the things that he should, that should have been indicators that something really bad was going on, but were not there. The only thing was he wasn't growing. So we had to, I mean, we had to pack a bag and, and head down to children's hospital. Right then. Right then. They checked it. They said, you know, we're going to call the hospital. They're ready for you. So, I mean, it was like, it was like being hit by a semi um, because we had no idea mm-hmm. what was, we had no idea what we were about to walk into. And I remember walking into that hospital and looking down, you know, walking down the hall and thinking, my God, like I, I didn't even know this world is another world. A children's hospital is, it's like a war zone that nobody, nobody wants to find themselves. Nobody there. wants to ever see. And it's like looking in all the rooms, every room was heavy and had a story. And was, there was just so much sadness, mm. so much sadness. And so we check in and for three weeks, we were there trying to figure out what was wrong with our son's liver. And are you getting any answers during these three weeks? Not, no. Wow. Like nothing, nothing is making sense. No blood work. I mean, he, they did every, every scan, every test, every, to try to figure out what was going on. So they finally had to do a biopsy and Charlie weighed eight pounds, maybe At four months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he never weighed more than nine pounds. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it, it was. Which to put that in context, I delivered a nine pounds, 11 ounce baby. And so you can see that the, he never got to nine pounds. Yeah. Uh, he, w- he was born early, three mm-hmm. and a half weeks early at, at five pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a tiny little he boy. A, he was a peanut. Mm-hmm. Um. Finally, the biopsy came back and, and the doctors told us that, uh, he had a very rare disease. It was, it's called mitochondrial disease. It's a rare metabolic disease. Um, and there was no, very little treatment, no cure. And I mean, I, I, I truly felt sorry for my doctor who had had to tell tell us, um, and I mean, the devastation. There's no treatment, no cure. Yeah. The end is always. Terminal. Mm-hmm. And we asked him how long and he said, I don't know. And um, I mean, he didn't know, but mm-hmm. Charlie was sick. Mm-hmm. He was sick. And um, and he he slowly 
day by day became more sick. Started to look sick. Started. Whereas before you were like, how, how are we so sick? We have no signs. Right. Um, he was growing longer, but he could not gain weight. Mm. There was nothing we could do to gain weight. And so, I mean, he looked like he was starving. Mm -hmm. He looked, his body could not metabolize his food. And so it, watching him become sick over the next few months was really hard, really hard. Um, and I mean, we did, we did. So y'all leave the hospital. Yeah. You take home Charlie, who you've just been given a terminal diagnosis for, and you just wait and you just wait. And I think the hardest part for me was knowing that he was going to die and trying to, but, but knowing that he was here. Mm. And so trying to appreciate the fact that I am holding him and he is smiling and we are spending the day together, but knowing at some point in the near future, this moment would not, would not be. How did you fight for that every day? It was really hard. And that, that is where my faith journey really began. I mean, before, before Charlie, um, you know, God was convenient for me. God was really, I love, I always loved Jesus. Mm -hmm. I had, I've always had this amazing, um, love for Jesus. I, I, I understood what he did for me at the cross. Um, but I didn't have a real relationship with him. I'd never really relied on him. I never had to, you know, nothing that bad had ever happened. And, um, so I, I mean, I would go to church if I found great parking and I wasn't hungover right. and the sun yeah. was shining and I didn't want to go have mimosas <laughs> exactly. instead. Yep. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been there. You've been that girl. Mm -hmm. And, um, but God became I mean, this, this was the only way uh -huh. God was the only way I knew that I was going to get through this today and in the future was something greater than me. Mm. And, and I had no choice. I had no choice, but to put all my, to give faith the chance that, that I'd heard about for so long. God, in such a difficult situation. I mean, you feel like, I feel like in that worst situation you can imagine, which for all, a lot of, most of my listeners are women. Obviously, no man wants to listen to the show. <laughs> Most of my listeners are women. And either they are moms or they've been moms or they maybe want to be moms or whatever. We can understand what that feels like. Our hearts yeah. can kind of... You can understand the fear of it. Yes, that's exactly. Yes. We can understand the fear of, oh my gosh, I'm holding my baby. I have today. I might not have tomorrow. Yeah. Every single mom knows, exact, knows that yes. fear because we've all... We've all looked at our child at some point and thought, oh my God, mm -hmm. what if I lost you? Yeah. Or as what we listen to someone else's story, I've had plenty of women on the show who have, not plenty, I've had a handful of women on the show that have walked through what you've walked through. And we listen and we go, God, what if that was my kid? What would I do? And so I find it really interesting and almost amazing that it was in the midst of that difficultness that you said your faith became real. Sometimes that happens on the other side, right? You know, right. but you're like, it's all, it's what I had to cling to. Yeah. It's the only hope that I had because nothing on earth was going to save my mm. son. Mm -hmm. And you so, had been told that. Yeah. 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 There was no, did you pray and ask God to save him? And did you believe oh, that he would or that he could? I, a hundred percent. Yeah. I remember sitting on the back porch on my porch every day. I would take Charlie 
and we would go and we would read the miracles of Jesus. Mm. I would read to him and I would read to him the faith of a mustard seed could move this mountain, Charlie. And, and we're going to pray for that. And every day, every single day I prayed for a miracle. And I believed, I believed that God could, I believe that he could, I didn't know that he would. Mm -hmm. And I knew, I knew, um, if he didn't, that I, I wasn't going to be mad. I already knew that. I knew that I, I came to that, um, because, because I knew that I didn't want to be angry or bitter at God Mm -hmm. because I also had this Charlie. I had Charlie. Mm -hmm. My sister can't have children. She's never going to, she's never going to carry a baby. She's never going to give birth. And I had, I knew I had Charlie Mm -hmm. and I knew that there were a lot of people who would never, never experience that for one reason or another. And so I knew that I had been given a gift and I, I remember asking my sister, if you knew that you were going to go through what I went through, but you could still have children, would you go through it? And she was like, Oh, absolutely. Mm. And so I had Charlie and I knew, I knew that that was nothing that I could ever be angry about, Mm. you know? So Charlie's getting sicker. So Charlie's watching him. You're also begging God to heal him. Yeah. And what is it happens at the end? And so he was born January 9th and we spent, we spent the last four months of his life, um, doing things that we knew that we would want. We took him to meet all his grandparents. We went to the beach. We, we, we did things, um, that we'd want to do with your child. You would want to do with your child. you knew that you might not have those days. And, um, but the last. What was your favorite thing that y'all did? My favorite thing that we did was go to the beach. Uh And it, this was close to his death. He died August 31st of the same year. And we took him to Florida. We went to the beach. 2003. Okay. And we just spent a week and it was, it was the week of the last. Like I got my last smile Mm. that week. I, and I knew that Charlie knew, knew that Charlie knew that he wasn't going to make it. Why do you say that? The way he looked at me. It's like every time I looked at him and I would get so emotional and I would cry. He he was the one looking back at me and saying, it's okay, Mm. mom, it's okay. And he had that resolve. He, he had that resolve. He knew, he knew what he came, what he came to do. And he did it. I mean, he, he did it. So you experienced your last of the things at the beach and then you go home and then August 31st. Yeah. I, the last week of his life, he didn't, he didn't eat. He didn't move much. Um, you know, it was, it was just so sad. The worst. It was the worst. We knew we knew he was dying. Um, and, and so the day that he died, all of our friends and all of our family came over and said goodbye. Um, and, um, I remember Topher praying, um, please heal him. Like we believe God that he can be healed. And we did. Um, and you know, he, he, he didn't make it. Yeah. Took his last breath on, on my chest. And, and when he died, I, 
I know this probably sounds really weird, but I, my, one of my favorite things to do with Charlie was to give him a bath. And so I bathed him and I put him in the clothes that we baptized him in and I gave him to my dad and my dad, my dad took him out into the car that comes and gets your kids when they die. And I remember just going back into my room and Topher and I just going back into our room, shutting the door and wailing, just wailing, crying. Um, Topher saw a vision um, right after he left and we had laid down and our eyes were closed and he said, Tova, I see him. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, I see Charlie. I see Charlie and he's walking into heaven and Jesus is there. And he, uh, he had this vision, Jesus picking up our son and taking him into heaven. And I said to Topher, tell me every detail. Don't leave anything out. And so it, it was a great comfort. Um, and I believed it. I believed that that was a gift um, because I, I had such a fear um, that I, I equate it to losing your child in, in like a grocery store, a Home Depot, you know, you turn around and they're gone. And I, I, that never happened to me, but that, that is the panic that I would think about what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. where, where is he going to go? Yeah. And um, where is he? Because he's with you one moment and then he's gone. Literally his body was, he's gone. He's gone. And so just having that, that blessing, the gift of, of knowing mm -hmm. that he was yeah. where he was home. Yeah. Um, I've had a handful of women on the show that have walked through similar situations really? to you. And one thing I always like to ask them is what did it feel like around your community after that? Like friends show up, how, how, how do you, how do you go, how do you have, go to church? How do you have a brunch? How do you have people over for, how does life keep moving when you've been through? The only thing I can ever relate to that I might possibly understand is I remember when I would go visit my kids in Haiti mm -hmm. and I would come home mm -hmm. and I'd be like, how are you guys still going on with life? <laughs> my kids are in a third world country, you know? So that's the only thing I remember feeling that but I had my, you know, it was different. It was still, but I remember that feeling. How, how is, how, how is the world? It, how does the world yeah. keep spinning? And and you know what? I think, I think that every single person that has ever lost someone, even if it's your mom or you know, not even necessarily your, your child, child. Uh -huh. um, the, the moment they die. And, and I think the moments leading up to a funeral and even the moment, you know, days after you, you can't help but think like, how are you working? How are you smiling? Yes. How are you grocery shopping? Yeah. Like, don't you know? Right. I remember thinking mm -hmm. that. Like, don't, Charlie's dead. Mm -hmm. Like, how, how dare the clock keep ticking? Yeah. Yeah. Did you have friends that handled that well? Um, yes. And um, I assume you had friends that didn't handle it well. Yes. You know, um, well, to fast forward, we... We had, as you know, we had another, I got pregnant r right away again. Um, and I had a daughter and, um, and she was 
of course, equally as beautiful as Charlie. The doctors had assured us that- How long after Charlie passed away? That was August. So it was 2003 and I had Louisa in November of 2004. Okay. So it was quick. Mm Mm-hmm. So Louisa was born and uh, we had we had met with specialists all around the United States on mitochondrial disease. There's a handful of them. And we had said, you know, is this, why did, how did our child get this? Is this some, so there's several you're ways. you're asking, do we have more children? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Should we, is this going to keep happening? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the two, the, the, the heart problem of our first baby yes. was different than the liver problem of Charlie. So what is this? Does it fit? I mean, does Are it all relate together? Right. Yeah. And we, so you get mitochondrial disease either from a, a maternal genetic. So it comes from your mother uh-huh. and I didn't have mitochondrial disease. So I wasn't a carrier. So that wasn't how, or, um, a sporadic genetic mutation. Random. Um, random. And so every doctor said, this is random. This could never happen again. This could never happen again. Or it's a recessive gene that you and your husband both carry. And the chances of, they were like, the chances of you and your husband having this, being carriers of this rare, 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 are so implausible. And I remember asking a doctor in Seattle, should, would you get pregnant again if you were me? And Mm -hmm. he was like, absolutely. So without question, we we got pregnant again, had Louisa and, um, you were just like, this is going to be great. Yeah, of course. I have nothing she to was, fear here. Yep. And she was born bigger and healthier and stronger. And she gained weight fast and, mm-hmm. and you know, three, four months, just like Charlie, she stopped gaining weight. And, and Did she, you notice first or the doctor? I, I noticed. Nobody knew. I mean, of course, my biggest fear was that she would eventually stop gaining weight. So every morning... Every morning I would weigh myself mm-hmm. down to the ounces and then I would get her and I would put her mm-hmm. on and I would weigh her. And every day for four months, the scale went one way and then it stopped. It stopped. She's, she stopped gaining weight and I knew. And I, I told my husband, I said, she's not gaining weight. And he was like, oh yeah, she is. Look at her thighs. Look at that. She does not have it. She's, she's not sick. She did. And I said, Topher, she's not gaining weight. And I told her, I had to tell him what I've been doing. And he, I mean, it was, so we go get blood work and sure enough, her liver, same thing. Same thing. And she died almost to the day. You know, she lived almost to the day, exactly as long as, as Charlie. And, and so it was after I lost Louisa, my beautiful baby girl that I think, I think it really freaked people out. And People have a hard time knowing what to do or say with loss. I mean, under, I mean, yeah, it's so difficult. It's so difficult. And all of my friends were having babies mm-hmm. and all of my friends were becoming moms. And for so, maybe like a second time. Yeah. And so being around me, not only was me being around them hard, them being around me and, and I, I, I became very judgmental and about, about people taking their children for granted. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I would hear moms complaining about, oh my gosh, I was up all night or, oh, she's driving me crazy. Or I, I can't believe I've got to drive them here. And um, all the things we've all said, uh, 
all the things we've all said. Yeah, yeah. And but I remember yeah. thinking, you, yeah, how mm-hmm. dare you? Complain? You don't know. How dare you complain about your child? You wish you were up all night. Yeah, I w- I mm-hmm. wish I was. Mm-hmm. I wish I was cleaning up barf. Yeah, I'd give anything. Mm-hmm. And so um, my world became very lonely. My world because you didn't know how to function with them, and they didn't know how to function with you. Yes. And what about your marriage? My marriage was the really the only joy. Mm-hmm. The you know people talk about how um, I mean people would say to us, well, you know, the number one reason people get divorced is because they've lost a child, and I, I couldn't fathom losing Topher mm-hmm. in the middle of that. And y'all had been through this together. Yes, yeah. And we were the only. You know, you become very isolated when you are home with a sick child. Mm-hmm. And so it was really just me and Charlie or me and Louisa. And then when Topher got home from work, the three of us, and Mm -hmm. we were, we were scared of germs. We, we, and, and honestly, I really didn't want to share these moments with anybody else. Because you knew they were fleeting. I knew they were fleeting. Mm -hmm. And so. Can I go back to another question? Yeah. So now you have buried three children in the midst of what, four years, five years? Are you angry at God now? I should have been. I could have been. I was not angry. Bitterness and anger never entered. It was just sad. Mm-hmm. The sadness was overwhelming. And that was, that was really hard for me because, and the joy, the joy was gone and the sad, sadness settled it became my roommate mm-hmm. and settled into my bones. And, um, and I didn't, I didn't know how to be in the world and the world didn't know how to be with me. And, um, and so it was just lonely and it was just lonely and sad. And I, I, I was not bitter, but I was hopeless mm-hmm. and I wasn't angry, but I was, I was hopeless. I had no hope because my dream and everybody would try to f- find solutions for my dream, you know, like, oh, Tova, you, have you ever thought of a sperm donor? Have you ever thought of an egg donor? Uh, have you ever thought of a surrogate? Have you ever thought of adopting? And these questions were offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I had thought of all of those yeah, things and right. none of them. I mean, I just... I resolved in those moments, I was done being a mom. Like I just, none of, none of those solutions sounded. Well, then none of them fixed the pain of losing three children. Yes. Yes. That's in their well-meaning. They were trying to help you find what you want is to be this mama. Right. And you're like, none of those things fix the fact that I just buried three children. Right. So, you know, fast forward. 14 years, you know, 13 years, we, mm-hmm. we now know that you have three children mm-hmm. and you don't, sadness is not taken over your bones, no. but I know that process must've been slow and steady, but what were some of the things that allowed you to not live in sadness and to find joy in the midst of the darkest days of your life? So the most profound thing that happened to me, um, and, and, and started the process of me coming back for lack of a better way mm-hmm. to say it. Um, I went to go see my pastor because I was so sad. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Nothing sounded good. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I didn't want to go back to work. I didn't want to stay home. 
I didn't, the only thing that I did that felt good for, I mean, and it, and it didn't feel good, but the only thing that, that I did really was go to the cemetery. The cemetery is a half mile from my house and I would wake up every day and walk my dogs. You'd go there every day? Every day. And I would sit at their grave. And they were buried, they're buried right next to each other, all of them. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I would just sit there and that's the only thing that felt that it was the only thing that I felt like I could do. Mm -hmm. And, but I knew that I couldn't keep doing that. And so I, I made an appointment with my pastor and I went and sat with him. He had known clearly what we had been through. And, um, and so we were talking and, um, and I said, you know, I just don't know what to do. And he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't, I want to be a mom. That's what I want to do. And he looked at me without hesitating and in boldness said, well, that's not going to happen. And so what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. It's why I'm here. And he said, well, let me tell you something, Tova. God did not put you on this earth to sit around for the rest of your life and cry about your dead children. They're not coming back. And you were meant to glorify God. And so what are you going to do? Wow. Mm -hmm. And he was- Were you the, offended? Uh, no, but he's the only one that could, could have, have said that. that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he- I mean, it's truth. It was it's truth, so true, but I mean, had a friend said that to me? <laughs> yeah, oh, girl, you need to <laughs> step back. <laughs> right. Yes. And he was the only one. And in that moment, he said, you need to get out of your house and we need help here. And he went and got the, a woman from HR and said, you're going to come work. You got yourself church. a job. And I was like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> First of all, the church is going to burn. <laughs> you do not want someone with, if you only knew. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't know. You don't want me working at your church. Like, I didn't even know. I didn't even know if you said, what are the gospels? Uh -huh. I didn't know. Right. Uh -huh. um, and so he, they hired me and he said, you need to be here Monday morning at nine o'clock. And I mean, it was just one, it was so ridiculous, Jamie. That it's God. That it's God. And, and it was. I could see you like walking in, like, I'm just like crying. I need counsel. And you walk out and you kind of go, did I just get a <laughs> job? <laughs> what just happened? Yes. Yes. And that's exactly. I mean, it was, it, and my husband was, it was like, what, ha what happened? But I mean, I didn't know what else to do. And so I went to work. I went to work and I started working at the church and I swear, um, I mean, he, he, he put me in adult ministries. I have no idea why. And I was this woman's assistant who, you know, in my book, I said, she, she was paid to collect my tears, right. you know, for, for the, for six months. She, I would just sit in her office and cry and she and get paid and get paid. <laughs> and she, she was so beautiful. Mm. And, and that process of grieving and getting up and doing, um, brought me back to life mm. and it gave me a new community, which was nice because none of these people knew, they never knew Charlie. They never knew Louisa. They didn't know me before. So it wasn't like the, there's this expectation mm -hmm. or sadness about where I was. I was just Tova. Yeah. And um, so I started working at a church and that was in 2005. 
and I worked there for almost 10 years and became a youth pastor and, and then became a pastor of, of the contemporary worship service. And my faith, my life, every, everything changed. Everything changed because I put my faith in God and I came back. You know, I came, I came back. It was a slow, it was a slow process. It was a, it was a hard process. Um, but the Lord, the Lord met me right where I was. I mean, he, it was so ridiculous. It was so ridiculous, but it was, it, it, I mean, I look back at it now and you know, there's so many times in in your life where you look back at your life and in, in the middle of it, you can't see it. You mm-hmm. can't see, you can't see the blessing. You can't see the gift. You can't even see that it's God, but you look back and you're like, Oh, there's no doubt. Right. Like there, that was the Lord. Right. No coincidence. And so it's been like, it's been a, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. Grief is a journey. Grief is a journey. Mm -hmm. That you need to be kind to yourself in. I think, do you still like, I mean, you got teary eyed talking about your babies. I got teary eyed. Do are there still days that you, do you weep? I don't weep. Yeah. I don't weep anymore. And that might sound weird. No, it doesn't sound weird to me. Like I'm, that's, but that's what I'm wondering is does the pain and I've never lost a child or a parent or a husband. I imagine the pain does not go away. I would guess it changes. My pain has gone away. Okay. I do believe the pain can go away. Wow. That's hopeful. Yeah. I, 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 I have such joy around my children, all of them. Uh-huh. There's no sadness. There's no sadness. There are days that, you know, it's funny. The day that's hardest for me is the first day of school. Could you imagine sending your other babies off to yeah. school? I yeah. imagine, I imagine, oh, that you'd be, ninth you'd grade, like, yeah, you'd ninth, be in, uh-huh. you would be going to high school, buddy. Yeah. You, oh, you would, you know, where, well, that kind of gets me to, I mean, just yeah, to like, like Oh, I wonder what she would have, what outfit she would have picked. Yeah. And so the first day of school is the only day that I'm, that I I'm like. I wouldn't have guessed that, but that oh. does, yeah. Yeah, I want to send all my kids to school. Right. And you only get to send three. Which brings us to your three kids that are just your joy. And oh, they are so beautiful. They are a hot mess. With we, they, I just, I love, I love hearing and seeing and reading about um, your family. And we could do a whole nother episode on your journey to your children. So give us the very condensed Cliff Notes version <laughs> of how you added these three kids to your family. So uh, in 2009, I went on a mission trip with a friend she was, she's an art teacher and she was like, Hey, I teach art in Ghana. You want to go with me? I, you know, it's in an orphanage and I'd gone on a mil, I'd led a million mission trips. Um, but I'd never just gone on one. Not with, the leader. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. the leader. Uh-huh. And, uh, I was like, yeah, that, that's a good, yeah, I'm going to go. So I went and I, I, uh, I'm sitting there watching all, you know, there were 73 orphans in this orphanage in, in Ghana, this small village in Ghana called Hohoi. And, um, and I see these kids and they were siblings and they were four and five and five at the time. So twins. 
all biological. And I, I saw them and I was like, oh, I, oh. Out of all the 70 plus children. Yes. And uh, I felt it. I felt it. I felt it in my bones. And I called my husband and I said, um, we have three, we have three children in Ghana. I'm sure that conversation <laughs> went, you, should, you talk about it in the book, but that conversation always goes well. Yes. Yeah. 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 And he was like, T, get home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Get, get home. Mm-hmm. And uh, because can I ask real quick, had you, what was the plan? No plan for your family to have no more children. Plan. You were done. No, you uh, can't we were do still this. done. Yeah, yeah. No. not doing. Okay, and I had made peace with that. Mm-hmm. You were you 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 talk about like I don't want to go into it, but you were youth pastor. These children, all the things. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I'd found my peace. Yep. Okay, I'd found my joy. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it, I, when I got home, I, I we talked about it, and he said, "T, you have one month." Like if you still feel the same way, which is very smart. For sure. Because sure. you, you, you get less that reality. Yeah. I love it. Yep. yep. And so one month later, I I picked up I picked up some Mexican food and opened some beers and I said, Okay, let's, let's talk. talk. It's been a month. <laughs> and a year later, th- they all three came home. Which we can't talk about it and I don't want to spoil it, but you guys have got to go read your journey to bring these kids home. I mean from talking to biological family to core. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful story. Um, and so you guys have got to go get the book and read it. Um, but so how long have you guys been a family? So they have been my kids now for almost eight years. Isn't it crazy? My kids. So they came home when? In 2010. Mine too. Yeah. Yep. We We knew this. Yeah, we did this. Uh, so eight years, us too. And doesn't it feel like to me, it feels like forever. Like it, I don't, I have a hard time remembering pre, because also when they came home, my oldest was six. So, you know, it's just a long time ago. I have a hard time remembering pre family of six Ivies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I'm sure, I'm sure for you, it was probably a little bit different because you had a son at home. Mm-hmm. And so you were, you were a mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was really weird for me because I had nothing mm-hmm. and our house was quiet and I wasn't inconvenienced yeah. and all my money was mine and uh-huh. all my time was mine. And, and then three. And how old were they when they came home? Cause that makes it, that's a big difference. They were six, six and five. Yeah. That's big kids. Yeah. They were, and they were loud and they were messy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my life had been very controlled for, even with Charlie and Louisa, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. nothing, my, being a mom is a gradual, you know, yeah. it's like a, it's a, yeah. you phase uh-huh. into yeah. ages. All the things. Yeah. yeah. All the things. And it, so it was, it was, whoa. I mean, it, <laughs> what just happened? Yes. Did you ever worry that you were replacing children with new children? No. No, my biggest fear, and and the reason I said all those times when people were like, "You need to adopt," um, my biggest fear was that I could never. I I love attachment. Char- yes, mm-hmm. I loved Charlie and Louisa so much that I couldn't imagine. I was like, "That's not fair." Yeah, I will never put I a child through that. Yeah, I will never be able to love someone the way that I loved them, and that's not fair. And so I just I couldn't. And so my biggest fear, even bringing them home, because I did not, when I adopted them, I knew they were my children, 
but I did not, I had to fall in love with them, yeah. you know, just uh-huh. for sure. I had to mm-hmm. become their mom. And, uh, and now, I mean, and it did not take long now. I mean, these are the, these are my children mm-hmm. and I am so grateful to their birth mother mm-hmm. for, for giving birth the to mom. my children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, the, and I am their mom. Mm-hmm. I mean, with, and it is unbelievable um, how obvious it is. And people say it all the time. Oh my gosh, they are so, they're, they are. Do y'all dance and sing and make cookies and have the things you want? Yes, yes, yes. They are my children. They are my joy. They are, Mm -hmm. they're everything that I ever wanted in, in being a mom and more. So at the beginning, when you got married and you get pregnant six months later, if you were be, to be told everything that you were going to go through, would you say yes? If I knew where I would be today? Right now. A, th- a thousand times over. Yeah. A thousand times over. I, yes. The joy outweighs the pain. The joy, if you let it, if you allow it to find its way back in, the joy will always supersede the pain. Always. It's a choice. Joy is a choice. Peace and joy from the Lord is a choice. And it is a joy and peace that surpasses all understanding. People, people look, people read my book, people look at my life, people hear my story and they say, I couldn't. And I'm like, yes, you could. And you could go through 10 times more. And there are people who have gone through so much more. Mm -hmm. Um, And joy can come. Mm. Peace can come. Resolve can come. Yeah. I was talking to a friend this morning who's worried sick about something. And she was like, you just never worry. And I said, no, I don't. And she was like, I don't understand that. And I, I have gone through the worst thing that I could imagine. Losing- Which there's, there's some things we're not even mentioning today that you've been through. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? So yes. you have a list. Yes. Uh, I mean, I've been through, I've lost my mom. Mm-hmm. I've been through cancer. My my, what my parents did, what, what my ex-husband did. I mean, all of it. And people, my resume is not sexy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my life resume is mm-hmm. not sexy. And yet I would never trade places with anyone. And it's only because of what I've been through. It's only because of what I've been through and what I've allowed the Lord to do with it, mm. that I am who I am today. And I have the peace and the joy that I have today. It doesn't make any sense. And that's what it says is that it does not make sense to. Surpasses yeah. all understanding. Mm-hmm. Anything that we could get our minds yeah. around. Yeah. Well, I mean, we started this with Good Friday and it just, everything that you just said is just such a great illustration of what it really is, is that what Christ came to do, Yeah, you know, is to, to overcome death and to give us life yes. and to give us joy and give us peace. Yes. And it happens. Oh, I mean, if, if, and one thing that I always think of that I often think of is Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. I mean, you want to get me choked up. Let's talk about that. Where he is crying out in preparation for what he knows is about to happen. Our savior has felt every pain. I know that my savior knows exactly how I felt in my darkest hour because in the garden, he felt it. it. And he's the only one 
He is the only one, even, even there's no friend, there's no husband, there's no relationship. There's there. He, he knows better than me what was going on inside of me um, because of what he did. And, and then it says, and the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Yep. And what, what a beautiful promise. Mm. Well, it feels really silly right now to ask you what your three favorite things are. <laughs> <laughs> what are my three Man, favorite things? Toba, I am just, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I mean, I've, I've read your story and I adored it and loved it and I hope everyone goes to get it. And I'm going to link to it in the show notes because you can only get it on your webpage, but I'll, right. I'll show everyone, make it really easy where to get it. Um, but it really is just a story of, not just resilience, because that seems so like I'm going to pick myself up and do it. But of that, everything we've talked about of just joy in the midst of pain and suffering. Yeah. I think it's perfect we met on Good Friday. I think it is too. <laughs> thank you. Um, Toba, thank you. You guys, spring is here. And that means that spring cleaning is too. This year, my family tried the Mr. Clean Magic Eraser and it worked like magic. It cleaned tough stuff that my sprays and wipes just couldn't get like burnt on stains on my stovetop and that stubborn ring around my bathtub. It was so easy to use. You just wet, squeeze, and it's ready to erase. See what cleaning wonders it can do for your home by visiting mrclean.com slash the happy hour. Okay, guys, I told you that you would love it. Was I lying or was I not? I wasn't. I know because it was awesome. I loved my chat with Tova. Her story is just downright unbelievable. To imagine what she's been through is hard for us mamas, and her joy is exactly what God promises us. It really is a peace that passes understanding. I really encourage you to check out her book, Borrowed Courage. I'll have the link over on my webpage, jamieivy.com slash blog, and you can only get this book on her webpage, so check it out. I'll admit, you guys, I was a bit hesitant to ask her after losing three babies if she was angry at God. Wouldn't we think that she had a right to be? But her answer of being sad and not bitter, not angry, but hopeless. God can handle our emotions, and He was faithful to pursue her heart and to restore her joy and happiness. Her words of how joy and peace can come, so encouraging. And I hope that those words met you right where you needed to hear them today. I know that you're wondering, because you always ask when I don't ask, what she was loving and what was she reading? And I had to cut it out for time's sake, but I'll fill you in. She's loving green smoothies, collagen vitamins, and the show, This Is Us. Also, she's reading Everybody Lies. She also says she only reads nonfiction. Today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Next week, my guest is Jackie Hill Perry. And oh my goodness, I love this girl. I've loved getting to know her this year at the Abundance Conferences that we've been at together. And we were at MLK 50 together. In fact, that's where we recorded our episode. You're going to love the show. You're going to love hearing more about her story and how God is using her. You guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend. Have a happy hour with a friend. I will see you all back here next week with Jackie Hill Perry. Hey.